Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. One of the most important things that you need to do it, to enter the pipeline is to be prepared to train. And one of the ways that you guys can do that is check out 18 Alpha Fitness. Who better to learn fitness programming and take you through the ringer than somebody who has been through it themselves? Uh, Kevin, phenomenal human being. He was a Green Beret. Uh, he has been, shoot, he was a developer. No, he was a strength and conditioning coach yep. uh, at the pipeline. Like, so, I mean, like he's been in it for years and it's almost like he knows a thing or two about training and preparation. It what is, say yeah. you? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Use the code <laughs> one ready. So that's the, the number one ready with Kevin and he will provide you his, uh, his remarkable services. It's not just a workout program. He's going to give you video coaching. He's going to give you mentorship, and it's not just for selection and assessment, regardless of what you want to do, whether it be army, Navy, air force, Marines, coast guard, fire, police, rescue, anything that you want to get physically ready for. Kevin is going to be able to use his decades of experience to help get you across the finish line, not just for the selection, but for your entire career. He really does want to build you from the ground up to be the best tactical athlete, whatever flavor that is that you could possibly be. So check them out. 18 alpha fitness over there on Instagram. It's the easiest way to get to him and then use our code one ready for a sweet discount. Absolutely. Flexibility and durability. I think uh, we have another thing that covers it down on those, right? We're going to talk about the most uh, flexible and durable gear out there in the world right now, whether you're going to carry a rifle or a bow or you're, you're looking into the tactical side of it, Eberly stock, I think we can all attest their stuff. Not only does it work well, but it it's like they can read your mind that you're like, Hey, I wish I had a pocket here. Boom. There's yep. a pocket there for everything that you could possibly need. And so, uh, go check out Everly stock. They have, uh, the, the bags, then they have a whole new line of apparel and all that other stuff. And they're doing a great job and they're crushing it for all of your outdoor needs. Uh, whether you're into hunting, whether you're getting in, uh, into tactical situations or anything else that you need, you just want to carry some weight around. I'm going to have the Bando bag. I don't know if Aaron's heard of the Bando bag, but it's, uh, it's pretty it's awesome. It's too soon. It's too soon, Trent. I've been trying to get my hands on that Bando bag. <laughs> the big problem with Everly stock is that I always want to buy new stuff, but their stuff is so durable and it lasts so long, I can't justify spending more money tough. on it because I'm like, oh, I need, a, I need a new bag. And everybody's like, why? That bag looks perfect. And I'm like, just wear out already so that I can go get yet another bag. But man, they're playing around with all kinds of stuff, modular zip-on, zip-off frames that you can either go out on a... Uh, week-long hunt or you can go out and turn that into base camp and then take out your three-day bag doing a lot of exciting stuff on that technical apparel side so go check out Everly stock use our code ones ready at checkout get you a sweet discount those support great people the people working at Everly stock are some of the world's best humans and uh yeah so go check them out yeah or one zero or ten yeah nope or one zero or ten whatever anyway uh <laughs> now on to uh this amazing episode with the the special warfare folks uh we had some amazing talk so i'm really hope, hoping or hoping looking forward to uh to this next I think we already know how it went right so yeah, yeah we already say, know how it went hope it goes and good. it was good <laughs> i hope you, i hope everybody else enjoys it now there we go Got All it. right, enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. You can see the team room has a lot more seats in it this week because you have questions about the Special Warfare Candidate course. Well, guess what? We brought on what I'm assuming to be half of the staff to come talk about the Special Warfare Candidate course, or SWIC as it's affectionately known. You got to get through ANS. We all know that. That's your five-beater target. Well, SWIC is there specifically to build you up, get you ready for the stressors that you're going to see in ANS so that, you're there, so that you're throwing your A game at that thing to make sure that you get picked up. Without further ado, I'm going to turn it over. Emily, why don't you start us off? Who are you? Uh, you know, what's what's kind of your background, and then and what are you doing down at SWIC? Yeah, so I'm a Staff Sergeant Emily Valdivino. So I work in the SWIC flight, uh, the human performance flight there. Uh, I'm a 4J, so a physical medicine technician. That is my AFSC in the Air Force. Um, I'm also a strength and conditioning coach, so I kind of wear a couple hats uh, down there at SWIC. Um, yeah, okay. so I am of rehabbing, uh, any injured students, um, and cadre that are over at the 350th and in the SWIC pipeline. Okay. Well, I, I was made aware that after you get out of the pipeline, it's impossible to get injured. So I imagine the operator portion of your, of your job has got to be extremely low. So that's, that's good. Nick, welcome. Uh, how about you? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Nick DeMarco. I'm a GS over at SWIC. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. My primary role is uh, the BMT program, but 
just like Emily said, we wear a lot of hats. And so I, I oversee primarily BMT, but I've got my hands in just about every other part that's taking place over there at Lackland to include SWIC, silver and gold, helping out with pre-dot and all of that. Okay. Awesome. If we can do, do me a favor. We got to stop saying, uh, wear so many hats because in the internet world, uh, you guys will get in trouble for that. One of the other podcast guests, I can't remember which one got into a little kerfluffle over it. So just careful. That's all. Zach, what's up? How are hey, you? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. My name's Zach Kenniger. Uh, I'm one of the GS strength coaches over at SWIC. My primary role is to over pretty much be oversight for the SWIC program. Um, make sure that runs flows. Um, as we want it to and help just give active duty uh, information on whether things need to be changed, modified, just help give some direction, uh, as well as I also help out with uh, pre-dive, pre-dive course. And then I've uh, been working on developing the uh, pre-accession strength program to help lead into BMT. So that's something we're also working on currently. So, yeah, that's kind of my role. So that's that's actually really interesting. So a pre-accession strength and conditioning program to help. Where at what point in the pipeline is that? Is that before BMT? That would be before BMT. Yeah. So we're working on a. It varies. Um, right now it's still in the works, but it's basically a 20, 20 to basically twelve week program, depending on uh, previous history, previous injury. Um, working with Research Flight, come up with a fancy chart. Help dictate, hey, basically, how long is it going to take a, a certain candidate to prepare for it? Uh, you know, if, if we take someone who has zero training experience or never played a sport in their life, um, which we've seen at SWIC before, not saying their chances are, are unlikely. You know, I've seen mm-hmm. uh, a, a celloist end up at pre dive and have success, and he never played a sport in his life. Uh, to, you know, we've had people play, you know, three sports in high school. So it's just to help prepare them based off of their previous experiences and previous injuries uh, and make sure their, their workload is, is uh, I guess, accurate to what they've experienced so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say the easiest way to, uh, to really throw a team room into chaos is you just take a ball of any type and throw it in yeah. there. Because while operators may run in straight lines and jump and do push-ups really well, Man, some of the athleticism, it, uh, it may or may not be lacking. That's all it's I'm mainly saying. PJs. That's mainly PJs. <laughs> mainly PJs. And we, and we can tell sorry. that by playing ultimate hey. football. PJs have no hands. <laughs> I'm sorry. I will speak up for the 321st PJs. We were we were always the first picked on Friday football peaches. <laughs> so you watch it. That's historically accurate. Shane Brakey punch in the air right now is my opposing quarterback. <laughs> so, you know, Emily, I, I kind of want to open the floor to you and, and start talking about SWIC and, and the nuts and bolts of it. But we're going to start as soon as you get the students, right? They're over at BMT, and you know we've talked about you know I'm going to lose my gains at BMT, and that that whole discussion has been a thing for us forever. When you first see the students, when they when they get off that bus, and, and you're you're starting to get them into those training programs, what is the SWIC uh, the SWIC's staff goal? Like obviously we're going to have an intake, we're going to run some fitness tests, and I assume some movement screeners and stuff like that. But overarching staff, what is the goal for the initial students over at SWIC? Yeah, so I'll actually let Nick take that because he's the one oh, who, who really sees them right off right off the bus. Yeah, send it, Nick. Go for it, man. Yeah, so um, the first – so we've got seven weeks of training, basically. And of those seven weeks, the BMT trainees are only going to get six weeks of working out. That last week is basically graduation, coin ceremony, and all. The first week, what we're currently doing right now is running a mock IFT that's split up uh, across two days. So one day, they'll only do their cows, two minutes of pull-ups, sit-ups, push-ups, and then the second day, they'll get their run. That gives us a baseline to see how well their fitness prior to coming in is. From there, we kind of give them basically the rep ranges throughout the rest of the program, what times they should be running. And we kind of, we have a plan in place, but we're now able to kind of individualize it a little bit. So for example, like week two, Monday, maybe 400 meter sprints with cows. And we can say, hey, if you were in this time range on your mile and a half, we want your splits to be between this and this, because that's going to progress you throughout those six weeks and hopefully build you to a really good IFT score. Okay, so... 
you guys you guys are running through the BMT. I'm sorry, I, I kind of lost track of the the thread there for just a second. Aaron was bothering me on the phone, and uh, I was like, okay, so they come in and we're gonna assess them and figure out where they need to go. And so when they get off the bus, like, what are the most important things? Like, is there anything that stands out to y'all as like the the foundational skills that they are more important than the other ones? You know, because you're kind of breaking it up and you're trying to learn all these things at once for some of these folks. But what's the if if the candidates are out there and they only need to work on one thing. What's the most important thing? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that we see is if they could get more time on their feet prior to coming to BMT, that would be the most helpful thing. I think that a lot of candidates don't realize just how often they're going to be standing around, right? So, you know, the, the normal candidate probably drives to the gym and then drives to the pool and then drives to go get food or whatever it may be. Whereas in BMT, you are going to walk everywhere on top of your marching. There's no elevators right over in the dorm. So you're going to be walking up and down three, four flights of stairs every single day. And it sounds silly, but I'll bet you if they're watching you know, how many steps they take, that's probably fivefold by the time they get into BMT, right? And so probably, and I'm sure Emily will speak to this uh, more, the biggest problem that we have over at BMT and with SWIC is that bone stress injury. And I think that a lot of that is just due because while they're running and they know that they've got to run, they're not taking into account just how often they're going to be on their feet standing walking from appointments to the chow hall back and forth on top of all of the physical fitness that they're doing. So, so besides just standing around and this is kind of for anybody, um, you know, like I found that when I was an instructor, like the rucking, you know, people that really built up the, the front part of your leg, you know, the muscles, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> um, but it really like started cutting down on like, those stress injuries and, and shin splints and all that other stuff. And is that, that's all we're talking about, right? Is just walking more. And, uh, and, and maybe it's some little bit of rucking and all that other stuff. Like, and how many people, you know, start breaking their legs when they get there? Like, what kind of numbers are we talking about? If, unless you don't want to talk about specific numbers and then we're not going to talk about specific numbers. No, I mean, I can speak to it. We've kind of, we, I mean, we've, we've run these numbers. It's kind of been a highlight over at SWIC as of recently. Anyway, we're pretty much in line with the regular BMT um, cohorts that are out there. We're looking probably somewhere in the 20 to 30% range of people that are going to end up on some sort of profile for an MSK, which is a musculoskeletal injury. So, and that sounds probably worse than it is. Our ATs and PTs are a lot more conservative, so they'd rather put those trainees on a profile sooner, uh, get them off of their feet. Now, they are still going to train while they're in BMT. We're going to modify their program. So maybe they can't do as much running, but they'll be on an assault bike, for example. So we're still keeping those trainees in shape. When it comes to actually how many trainees are we holding over and not graduating because of injury, it's 1% to 2%. So our ATs, our PTs are doing a really good job, you know, making sure that our candidates are healthy and getting through. And then the program itself is working really well. So... The only, the only downside to that is perhaps you're starting SWIC maybe below the curve, which is where if you can do, like you're saying there, Trent, more on your front end and to Zach's point, when this pre-accession program comes out, the more you can set yourself up for success prior to leaving the BMT, now you're not playing catch-up the entire time because you're on a profile. And then you go into SWIC a little bit, maybe under-trained because you were on that profile. Um, so, yeah, to all of your points putting in some more of that effort on the front end prior to getting to BMT is absolutely going to help you on the back half. So, uh, Zach, I think we just uh, figured it out for you. I think we just wrote your, yeah, your right. three sessions program, more walking. Yeah. So, like, what, what are you going to do with that to, to make sure that, I mean, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I mean, uh, and that's kind of really what the whole, uh, when we sat down and we looked at this pre-accession program, we kind of established uh, certain tiers to it. We're like, What's what's number one priority, which uh, if you're going to, you know, go through BMT and enter SWIC is past that IFT. So we made that pretty much the number one focus is like we need to get through this IFT. What's what's second tier? Uh, we want to make sure they're adequately adequately prepared. So basically what our workloads look like in that pre-accession is uh you know like i said depending on your training age previous history you might be starting from ground zero so we're generally starting from basically couch potato to basically increasing your mileage at a, a gradual pace to 
withstand the demands of SWIG. Um, and that's kind of how we mirrored it is meshing that pre-accession program to uh, a SWIC volume because we got a little bit more time to do that. Like I said, if, if you start from the ground zero, you got 20 weeks to work your way up to handle that mileage uh, for those lower legs to help eliminate those BSI injuries. So that's kind of like what we're, what we work towards. Um, it's the same thing with the swimming volume. You know, we'll get some candidates that show up to BMT or SWIC and, you know, they're never swam before. So it's the same idea. It's just start from ground zero and building them up to handle the uh, amounts of volumes that they're going to be experiencing in these later courses. Is that is that pretty realistic? Is being able to uh, take in twenty weeks, like and being able to get to where they need to in twenty weeks? I, I I mean that is such a, a that is a terrible question. Like I I fully admit because it depends on what what physicality they're coming from, like what baseline they're coming from. But say somebody who you know you mentioned the the celloist and stuff like that, like taking somebody who is maybe didn't play sports in high school or it's not athletically inclined. Is that a fair assumption that they can get to where they need to be in 20 weeks? Uh, I think, I think so. I, I, I've had, we've had few people look at this pre-session program. I feel like it's pretty good. Um, and I think, I think 20 weeks is uh, a good, a good number to hit. I think, I feel like any more than that, then, you know, how many are going to follow it at that point? What's the buy-in going to be from, from candidates? If you, you know, if you make it a 30 week program, right. Then, uh, you know, you got to think of, uh, buy-in from kids these, this day and age, you know, if you, if you put something too big out there, like, right. Is the, uh, is the adherence to the program going to be good or, or not? So I don't know. So we just, we figured 20 weeks because, uh, it sounded like talking with previous people, they get about 16 weeks, um, before they ship out. So we were like, well, let's just tack on another four weeks for those people. Um, we need a little bit more extra time. Okay. Yeah. And to, you know, to back you up, Zach, I mean, when we do that mock IFT in week one, right, the, the candidates are counting their own cows. So we're assuming that those numbers are a little bit inflated anyway because they're not trained to the standard that the coaches and cadres. Those lion students, that's what you almost said. Those li- those those <laughs> lion cones counting <laughs> extra push-ups. <laughs> and, and so still with you know those lion cones counting their own reps, we still see a 30% failure rate in that oh, first wow. week on just cows and just run. And those are done on separate days, right? So it's not even that they can use the excuse that, hey, I'm fatigued from my cows before my run and that's why I came in at 10.22, right? So these are two separate days and we still see that 30% failure rate. 30%. Historically speaking now on the back end, when they enter SWIFT for that official IFT SWIFT where they do all the movements back to back to back, we have roughly about a 90 to 92% pass rate. So in just six weeks, we're taking cones, right, from self-counted reps at 30% failure rate to about a 10% failure rate. Now they get a second refire, and out of that 10% that get a second chance, we've graduated about 50%. So we've really got about somewhere between a 6 and 7 maybe 5% failure rate. So when you think that that's all that we're giving them in six weeks and we can make that much improvement – to Zach's point, you know, the program that he's primarily developing over 20 weeks is absolutely, I think, in my opinion, going to be enough. Again, it, it is what you put into it is what you get out of it. So the candidate that's working with a coach, working with their developer to run this program at, with its intent, yeah, I, I would back up Zach 100% that that's, that's enough time to get somebody to their goals. Well, I'd say, I'd say without a doubt with with the, the amount of staff you guys have and and you, since you guys have been doing this for so long you you definitely have the data to back back up everything that's here um which, which is funny because on the back side that you guys don't hear like we get a lot we get a lot of messages of people saying that hey you guys don't know what you're talking about how can you possibly have that kind of data and stuff like that. And it's like you don't understand how many people are watching and how of meticulous of notes and data has has to get captured uh, in this program, uh, like throughout from basic 
well, not even basic, from development all the way through. I mean, we have profiles on these people, uh, these cones, these lying cones uh, that last them all the way until they, essentially, until they get to their unit and on. Um, Over to you, Emily. In terms of injuries like coming out of basic and, and out of SWIC, like what are we looking at? Because there's a lot of concern out there from, from folks because, and you know, you get your normal, Hey, shin splints. I get shin splints whenever I start running or, you know, I ruck twice and I started getting shin splints and stuff like that. So what are you, what are you looking at in terms of uh, injury? Yeah. So in basic training, um, the athletic trainer does a great job at kind of uh, modifying and giving us, once the student comes over to SWIC, passes the IFT, um, giving us a good idea of what what kind of injuries are out there. Um, typically, like Nick was saying, lower leg MSKI, muscul- musculoskeletal injury. Um, and then from there, it can, if it's identified early enough it can be kind of mitigated throughout the course once they get to um ans and tacti um, it can be mitigated however if the student doesn't speak up and they just are running essentially or walking on broken legs then that's once it gets too far down the line and we capture that then um they end up going to what's called white team which is kind of the the medical holdover for uh, special warfare. Um, and then from there they get rehabbed and then come back to SWIC. So I guess the most important thing is to, if you are having pain or any type of injuries, like speak up about it. Um, we have a, an amazing team here to, to help take care of that, those problems. And this is the best place to be injured, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did have a, I had a question on that. Um, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? So as they're, as these candidates are getting through the BMT program, as they're getting, you know, ready to, to step on their doorstep, what are you seeing that they could do ahead of time? Like, is there a focus area, maybe some extra rolling out? You know, they're not used to being, you know, running in boots or you're seeing those lower leg injuries. From your optic, is there something they can be doing to make themselves a little bit more durable? And then, you know, on the back end, essentially, that would kind of cut down on the amount of uh, injuries that you're seeing? Yeah, if we're talking um, before they go to basic training. So like Nick was saying, the exposure to to being on their feet, get a pair of boots if you can, walk around in them, get used to being on your on your feet. You have to let your tissues, your lower leg tissues adapt to that kind of um, stimulus. And that's just going to progress as you go through the pipeline. So I would say definitely that's any lower leg strengthening. Um, and then just, just regular maintenance on, on stretching and, and foam rolling and stuff like that. Anything to, to help you recover for the, for the next day of training. So, um, with the pre-accession program, there is some, um, preventative stuff in there, some mobility and stretching, um, to, to help with the, the volume of training. If someone hasn't ever trained before and now they're, they're really sore, um, there, there are some tips in there as well. Nice. Well, Nick, that kind of opens it up directly to you. And I want to kind of open it up, not just from a mobility and durability aspect, but more of a strength and conditioning and an overall physical preparation. So from your pre-accession program, what are we really focusing on? Because people DM us, they're like, what should I do? And our answer, just because we're knuckle-dragging operators, is like, listen, you need to focus on the specific event, right? Like you're training for the IFT. The IFT is the only thing that should matter to you um, other than being on your feet and, you know, throw in some rucking in there to make it a little bit spicy. But really the course is meant to build you up, right? And that's always what we tell people. Can you can you help us if we're off target there? What do you think people should be focusing on in that pre-accession waiting to ship window? Yeah, so I, you know, Aaron, do you need a job over over with us? Because I mean, you <laughs> nailed it, right? Like the most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing, right? And that means like just like you're saying, like, hey, if your your first gate into special warfare is the IFT, then you better be pretty darn good at running a mile and a half, pull-ups, sit-ups, and push-ups, and all of that. Um, if you've got access to a gym, like, yeah, we want to strengthen and build that durability as much as possible. Um, you know, I'm going to let Zach kind of take that pre-accession, what they're looking for and what exactly, you know, is built into that program. But, you know, to echo what Emily said, you know, that lower body stuff, what you said, keep 
feet on, you know, time on your feet and then work towards those IFT gates. Like, absolutely. Yeah. But Zach, you know, please jump on in with what you're programming in the uh, career session. Yeah, I think like we said, first tiers pass that IFT. So, you know, uh, to compliment you knuckle draggers, we still got the, the pull-ups, the push-ups and things like that. Uh, and then we just add a little, little flare, a little spice to basically complement all the extra training they're doing, the running, the swimming. And that's where the SNC, uh, is built around is to complement those other modalities to basically prevent you from getting hurt or make you more durable. Uh, we're not necessarily trying to, you know, there, it might be involving building some strength, but mostly it's just to, uh, get you out of the habit of being a great, you know, being swimming all the time or running all the time. It gets you back to that normal body function. Uh, so that involves just doing a lot of the opposite stuff. If you're swimming a lot, we got to do a lot more backside shoulder stuff. If you're, you're running, you know, Trent hit it. We got to do some front side anterior tib raises and we got to work on some backside posterior chain um so it's just having everything complement each other right out the get-go like we said the big thing is being able to run swim a lot and having that workload and the snc portion is just to complement that to make you more durable I mean, but it's it's more important than the swim stuff, right? I'm assuming you all make fun of the swim coach nerds over there. Oh, absolutely. And you guys Any are better. Chance, yeah. Yeah. Strength and conditioning all day, <laughs> every day. There's hierarchies everywhere you work, and the, the strength and conditioning coaches kick sand in the face of the swimming coaches. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, but like the, the swim is one of the quote unquote safer parts of the IFT. We don't see very many people failing the swim. And now I say that and all the candidates are not going to stop swimming and yep. right. swim failures are going to go up. So Perfect. I don't want to put it like that. Right. But, um, the, the swim coaches that we have on staff are, are really actually phenomenal. And I think that that's a big part of why we see such low, uh, IFT failures in the swim. Um, to kind of add on to what Zach was saying, I, I just thought about it when he was talking about it. In addition to like the strength and conditioning, I think a big, important factor is to have the trainees try and work on like just general athleticism. Uh, we do dead bugs in, you know, the first or second week and to see the amount of candidates that have a hard time moving contralaterally, right? So keeping their right arm extended and their left leg extended while the opposites move, that's really, really hard for them. There's almost like a neurological that cross the body. They've never been exposed to that. And so that's like a real weakness. Uh, when we do things like a skips or lateral a skips, the coordination in and of itself is pretty pretty bad across the majority of the like trainees out there. I know it, it's, I... It, it's my favorite part of the day is to watch them warm up and see just like I mean things like skips where they're oh, yeah man, they're like absolutely. same elbow yeah right it looks like just... marionette crossing the field. I just picture it like remember that old video of the there was the American Special Forces soldier and he's trying to teach his Iraqi counterparts how to do jumping <laughs> jacks and it's just a dumpster fire from start to finish. I imagine that's what it's like. So it, it looks a lot like that, and it looks like that in week one, and it's not really all the way ironed out by week six either. Like you'll twenty still weeks, have a good uh, twenty weeks for the pipeline, but it's at you know twenty weeks pre-accession. That's what you get for pipeline preparation, but it's really a lifetime of trying to not look cringy while doing contralateral movement. <laughs> It, absolutely. So that would be one other thing that I would add is, you know, get on YouTube, look up some of these A skips, B skips, lateral skips and stuff like that. And maybe film yourself because be athletic people. Yeah. Be athletic. That's it. Well, I, I wanted to talk, bring it back a little bit to the, the 20 weeks and say I'm a, a student out there and I, I jump on the 20 week program and day one, I wake up the next morning and I'm super sore. Like, Maybe I can do an IFT, but also like I do one IFT and I barely pass it and I'm wrecked. Like, is there, is there space to maneuver? Like how sore should I be in the beginning? And, and is there room for that, that student? And should they kind of back off on that a little bit and build volume instead of going after intensity right away? Cause that, that seems to me like the volume versus intensity thing is sometimes like uh, something that gets lost a lot of times with these, these young folks out there. And, you know, uh, this is kind of like an Emily Zach. There's a kind of an all of you question. So. Uh, Emily, since we're, I'm talking about soreness, let's start with you. Like how, how much soreness can your body handle and how much should you be focusing on volume working up to that durability por uh, portion? Yeah. So working through some general soreness, um, is good just because you 
are going to get used to that. You're going to be sore while you're at SWIC and you're going to have to show up and you're, and perform. That's that's not going to change. So I think working through a little bit, bit of that is perfectly acceptable. Um, but really, if you're, I, I would say, I was thinking about this earlier, I would say if if you are out of high school and you're training and you don't have like a, a full-time job, sleep as much as you can, eat as much as you can. This goes back to that recovery piece. So if you're recovering pretty well, you should be able to attack the next day, train. Um, the pre-session program is, it's 20 weeks long for a reason. And it, it does start out, you know, pretty, pretty, no, I don't want to say easy, but it ramps up appropriately to be able to handle that soreness. And, and Zach, so there's, there's always a, that ramp onto anything. So like if someone kind of took your, your program and extended another four weeks because they're just not ready to start yet, like how does, how does that work? And, and what would be your suggestions for that Yeah, <clears throat> to make sure it's uh it works? Yeah, so so you know? to give you the insight of the program, the, the workload and the training frequency kind of correlate. So when it right out the get go, if I'm starting at weeks, week one or week zero, it's basically starting at three days a week. Um, so you're going to have two, two, two with the weekend, you'd have four, uh, rest days built into that. And then it'll eventually progress to four days, five days, and eventually six days. So the, the rest is kind of built in right out the get go. And if you're someone who's still struggling with that, uh, then maybe it's hey, like you exactly hit the, hit the nail on the head, Trent with it. Maybe you just got to repeat that, that week, you know, one through four. Uh, phase to get used to it before progressing to that that next one. But I would say with the with the volume and intensity, focus more on getting the reps. So focus on the volume and maybe lower the intensity. So don't don't be pushing yourself as hard or on your on your pull ups or things like that. Uh, you know, because I know some things we had programmed with a weighted vest. If if you, if you can't do it with weight, then just drop back down to body weight. Or if you can't use, if you struggle with the body weight, then maybe you got to add a band or some sort of assisted resistance to it. Um, again, it's not it's not about where you start; it's where you finish, right? Uh, and that's right. that's the whole point of this: is uh, be humbled where you're starting, but just see yourself progress as you're going week to week to week, because that's what it's all about. Yeah, totally agree. And I, it's almost like, you know, we say these things and maybe maybe the candidates hearing it from you, maybe it'll make us feel better because we say it a million times. Trust the process. Hey, if if the program, I, I my strength and conditioning coaches, like when they see me doing stuff, they're like, hey, Aaron, what extra stuff are you doing right now? And I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm just uh, doing some extra stuff. And in his head, he's like, I hate you because you're not following the program. You're doing extra things that you don't need to. And, then, and it's not for you know, there's a, a good little nugget in here is, you know, sometimes people, they decide that they want to do this thing and they're getting ready, you know, through their own physical prep and through the T3I development program and they want to throw everything at it, right? So they're like, if I'm not PRing every single day, if I'm not going as hard as I possibly can every single day, there's no way I'm going to make it. And from what I'm hearing from you, smart professional individuals, is that that may not necessarily be the best way forward. So, you know, Nick, I'm going to turn it over to you. Can you tell me why uh, competition level CrossFit is the absolute 100% best way to train for these uh, sort of <laughs> career fields? Uh, and, yes. it, and if your answer is no, just go ahead. There's a red button on the bottom that says leave. <laughs> um, so just go from there. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, Man, you, you you kind of put me on the spot here. Here, I'll come. I'll come up with a better one. Right? Fi functional fitness, not CrossFit, just functional general fitness. physical preparedness. Right. So we, we always look at the GPP programs. CrossFit yeah. is a GPP program. Okay, great. They have their use. Um, as, as an addition, you know, because people pay for Metcons and CrossFit gyms. You go to CrossFit so that you can take your shirt off and work out. And if you go to CrossFit long enough, somebody will actually want to look at you without your shirt on. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like a self-licking ice cream cone in that way. Um, but the, the real question here inside of all of the cynicism is no kidding. Like where, where can people start adding that into the program? And is that beneficial from, from what you're seeing? You know, leading up to, to BMT, um, if you're running, you know, the pre-accession program that SWICS, you know, kind of developing, you know, amongst those professionals, and you're starting off on that couch potato, you know, path, 
um, which there's nothing wrong with that, then there's probably not a whole lot of extra room for that type of activity. Uh, now, if you're starting and you look at the pre-accession program and you were maybe a D1 athlete, right? Uh, and we, we have that, um, you know, you're, you're meddling at marathons or whatever, um, then maybe there's some room for more additional GPP stuff. Those people are, from what I've seen, and please jump in here, Zach, that those people are few and far between compared to, you know, the general mass. And so, you know, while that stuff on Instagram, that stuff on, you know, TikTok, the games and all of that, it looks really, really sexy and it's awesome and everything. Um, it, you just got to be careful with it. And this is not me to like bash CrossFit. I think that there are like really, really great, competent CrossFit coaches out there. Um, and I always come back to say this too, right? Like anybody can sign up for a 24-hour membership and have no experience whatsoever. And there's no coach there watching you there at all. So you can get just as hurt doing that. So, you know, if you're at a spot where, hey, I want to go to a CrossFit gym for either the community or whatever, that's it's a good spot actually too. Like if you don't know how to deadlift, like there are CrossFit gyms everywhere. Just do your due research. Make sure that the coach that you're signing up with uh, you know, has maybe like a USAW level one or powerlifting certification has a CSCS, right? Like that's kind of the gold standard in our, in, in our industry. Um, ask those questions, make sure that you're getting that advice from that person. But yeah, to add in extra workouts should probably be at the top of your game. And then on top of that, like you had said, like it's CrossFit training you for the IFT. Like, yeah, they're training you for a lot of other things, and maybe you're going to be a well-rounded athlete. But when it comes to the specificity of, can I do a strict pull-up? Can I do strict push-ups, sit-ups, run, swim, all of that? It might be missing some holes. And again, if you want to go to a CrossFit gym and bring your your coach or whoever the IFT score sheet and say, hey, can you program a little bit more specific for these? Like, I think that that's probably a good idea, but. Keep the most important thing, the most important thing. And for that, like to get into the pipeline, it's, it's that IFT. Fantastic. I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you, Zach, because you're kind of starting on that, that very front end that we've been talking about and kind of flirting with this whole time. Are there any other hobbies or, you know, things that you would add in? Like, would you just say, hey, you know, at the end of today's workout or, you know, today you're going to do two workouts. We're going to have the program workout for day one. And then later in the day, you're going to take a 45 minute walk outside just to make sure that we're still, you know, moving and doing other stuff. And, and, and I'd like you to transition into kind of that active rest as well, because you brought up that you're going to be training you know, at the beginning, like four days. And some, some people might feel some type of way about only training four days a week. Yeah. What are some other active rest day stuff that you could put in? And that's there? kind of what we're putting in too, is if, if the rest day is not always an off day, it's, it's, you're doing something, whether it's some sort of mobility, like you said, we might program walking, uh, it, it kind of varies depending on where we're, what phase we're in of the, of that program. But yeah, if, if I'm that top 10% of, of candidates who are, you know, just physically ready or physically gifted, right? Yeah. To do extra on your feet, walking very low impact, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's kind of what the, the whole goal is or to, you know, you could even slightly modify that program a little bit. If it, hey, if I felt good on on you know doing five five reps, maybe just do two more reps. Add twenty percent, and you're fine. No more than that. Um, that's what when we when we sat down we, and we wrote this, where you said the uh, the top ten percent people who come in ready, already doing what they're doing, they're always going to keep doing what they're doing, right? They 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 got it figured out. It's more so that you know, that 80% to that bottom 10% that needs the help or guidance. And that's kind of what we, when we sat down and we uh, kind of outlined this program, that's what we were training towards was that more that 80% of the candidates who need that guidance need that um, kind of path mapped out for them. And then that, uh, that bottom 10% who just may feel overwhelmed or just don't know what they're getting themselves into. So that's what we kind of when we sat down and wrote this program, that's what we had in mind. Okay. Well, one of the things that uh, I, I'll try and shape this question, I'm going to throw it over to you, Emily, but I actually want to get like, we'll go Emily and Nick and then Zach, but what are some of the things like, if you could 
pinpoint one thing that you see lacking from from candidates that are coming in, um, whether it's, I mean, primarily physicality wise. Um, I have something in mind. So if the three of you don't hit it, I, there's something that that I know that because I I felt that struggle and and we get it a lot. But let's start with you, Emily, and then we'll we'll go to Nick and then Zach. But what do you got? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, yeah, perfect. That's exactly what we want to do. We want to put you in a position where you could possibly answer incorrectly and get fired. Chief has an answer in his head too. He totally set you up. So just yep. don't think about it. Just talk. We're going to go right. live. So, um, so the team that we work on as the human performance flight, like we have a psych doc, we have a dietitian, we have strength and conditioning coaches, uh, we have a physical therapist. Um, so it's kind of a little bit of everything. It's the, the stress management. It's the, do you even know what you're consuming in a day as far as like food, (laughs) um, water intake? It's the training is just a piece of it, right? Like the actual strength and conditioning and the swimming and being on your feet. That's just a, a, that's just a portion of it. Um, so I don't remember what the actual question was, but I think that, um, just, trying to to add tools to your to your little tool belt of how to how you respond to stress if you know how you respond to stress that's going to help you when you're here um if you if you don't know what you're eating or consuming download an app and start tracking your food that way when you show up here and the dietitian is asking you these questions you already know and you can speak to it if you know that you you stay up late and you don't get a lot of sleep you're going to regret those days when you're here and you're sleeping now with, you know, 50 other people in the same room. (laughs) Um, and you're going to wish you would have, you know, taken that a little bit more seriously. Um, and then same with the the strength and conditioning, like, are you, are you adhering to, to the workouts, whether it's the the pre-accession program when that comes out or it's any other program that you get, are you truly sticking to it and, and, and doing what you can to, to, to become better, to, to actually start this course. Okay. So understanding how to fuel with food and then sticking to a program, following instructions. Okay. Like that, those are, those are valid. How about you, Nick? What do you think? Uh, I had one answer in my mind, like right <laughs> away. And then you said, let's keep it to the physical part. And no, so don't. What? No, 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 don't, no, don't let me index you. Like if you yep. got something, so go. I, I think I've, I've got one for either. So for the physical, we'll touch on that real quick. That's work capacity, right? I think that being able to repeat workout after workout after workout, to be able to march and everything, get up early, handle the stress, right? Stress is stress is systemic. So your body doesn't know like, difference between a hard workout or zero sleep and just getting yelled at all the time. And so preparing your body, preparing your mind to just like constantly be under stress, physical, mental, all of that. I think that there's real value in that. Uh, To go to the thing that I thought immediately was um, one thing that I think is kind of lacking and we see this a lot is humility. Um, Being humble when you Mm -hmm. get there. I I see a lot of trainees show up to BMT and they think, man, this program is kind of beneath me. And they've got a little chip on their shoulder because they see BMT as this is so easy at points, right? Like, are you really yelling at me because I didn't line up my water bottle correctly on the PT tent pad, right? Um, or we're only doing sets of eight pull-ups or man, this kettlebell that we have out there is only 35 pounds. Are you kidding me? I was deadlifting, you know, 315 a week ago. And I think that they missed the part that this is basic military training and that we've got 200 candidates out there, some of which have never lifted a day in their life, and they don't know how to control their body in the way that we're asking them to. Like, hey, I need you to hip hinge and keep your knees in the same position, right? Like, you can move your hips back without bending your knees down. Like, we need to get everybody to that level before sending them off the swing. So that air of arrogance shows out or shows up, and I don't think they realize that they're going to graduate BMT, and I'm going to be meeting them off the bus at SWIC. And <laughs> so, like, you know, Zach's going to be at BMT, and he's going to see him at SWIC, and the cadre is going to be there again. And so, man, all of a sudden, this first impression of this, like, air of, like, arrogance is going to follow you through the entire pipeline. And 
further on top of that, like those are your teammates now, right? Like you're kind of bashing the dude next to you. And like that person's going to be better at you than something later on. And they're not going to want to help you because you were a jerk to them in basic training. Right. So having that air of humility and being humble and saying, Hey, trust the process. I understand that maybe right now I'm crushing this, but a weakness of mine will get exposed later on. And I'm going to hope that my teammates are going to build me up at that point rather than leave me alone. I think that that's a huge piece that we're missing currently over at BNT. Man, Nick, it's almost like you've seen a lot of this. Like it's, <laughs> it's, my, like it's almost like you've experienced this yourself because yeah, a lot of pain a, behind those words. Yeah. A lot of pain behind those eyes, buddy. I can hear like, I don't know who you're talking to, but I know you're talking to somebody. <laughs> I was in the Air Force for 11 years too myself. And so like, you know, I, I, I've done it, right? This comes from experience. I think we've all been there within our profession at some point, got a little chip on our shoulder only to be humbled later on in life, right? That's I can hear you. I'm right later. here. Like, I don't know why, yeah. like in front of all of these people, I thought we were going to get an apartment after this, Nick. And now, you're, <laughs> now I feel like you're speaking to me. So, Zach, what do you got, man? I think Nick hit the nail on the head with that last one. It's going to be tough to follow up with it, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I think a stout and I, I preach this to our, our older guys that finish uh, pre-dive or I'm working with pre-dive that are on dev team to go to dive school. And it's more so a st- start establishing good habits right away. Uh, whether like Emily said, that's starting with nutrition and sleep, sleep being a big one. I'll harp on that again. Uh, and then just like mentally locking in on what you're about to go through when you go through this pipeline. I mean, at some point, like Nick said, you're going to have to rely on your teammates. It's going to, you're going to be humbled at some point and you're going to have to, um, you know, work with your buddies. You're, you're not going to be able to get through this whole pipeline at any point all by yourself. So I think right out the get-go, just establishing good habits of, you know, obviously the 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 physical development side and the nutrition and all that, but just mentally start preparing yourself about what you're about to go through and and have that humble experience and just taking it day-to-day operations of, you know, hey, maybe I didn't have it today, but you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to reset the button. I'm going to get after it tomorrow. Um and just start focusing on that. Cause I've seen, uh, from my experience, you know, this is from Swick and everything else. We get, we get plenty of, of, of candidates who you're like, man, this, this candidate physically has it, but guess what? Mm-hmm. They don't end up making it. Why? Because there's, there's some sort of barrier, uh, mentally that they just, they're just either not willing to push themselves or just not able to handle the, the day to day. Uh, grind of the of the pipeline now all all fantastic answers and uh much better than what i was going to break up but uh, <laughs> yeah i love how peaches is like oh i had like, something and peaches is like no never mind i, I did I oh yeah that. i just completely forgot about oh, yeah, it don't worry about what i had to add <laughs> i got a tbi i got um, blown up a couple times i'm a chief yeah. i don't know if you guys have heard <laughs> um grip strength like that is it and and that's not just for the candidates. And the reason why I say that is because when I when I went through Indoc, grip strength was not an issue for me because I was working hard, working out hard on it. But what I I felt that a lot when I went to uh, another selection at another unit was grip strength. And from what I, from what we've kind of heard through the grapevine is that that is actually an issue with uh, some of the cancer that are showing up is grip strength. So I was going to throw that out there. Don't neglect your grip strength. Uh, work on that as as well as you're working on everything else. I don't know if if you three had anything to add to that or not. Cool. All right. <laughs> no, yeah, I think what you, you got? got it. Uh, they do <laughs> a lot of farmers carries and stuff like that, and it is a you know to echo that's. I've heard those whisperings from later on in the pipeline as well. So <laughs> yeah. Not to give anything away, but yeah. I, I, uh, you're, you're dead on. It's going to help with your pull-ups. It's going to help with everything. Get, get strong hands. Yep. Nice. Big, strong hands. That's a good never-ending story reference. Mm. Perfect. The rock eater, dude. Go look it up, young people. <laughs> Artax is the name of the horse. He died in the swamp of sadness. Anyway. Sad. 
Uh, get it. So uh, I did want to start talking about something. We kind of opened the door and we kind of like touched on it a little bit, but some of that resiliency is, is something that you're seeing could be built up a little bit better. And you see candidates, you know, Zach, I love hearing you say, you see this person that has all the physical tools to make it and they just don't. You guys have started doing something a little bit wacky, a little throwback, a little something called PRT, <laughs> which is your prolonged resiliency training. And I've heard some good reflections of it. I happen to be pretty good friends with one of the guys that works down there, old old MK himself. And uh, he and I were kind of talking about it via text. And he he seems to be um, of the mind that it's really helping set students up. Can, can any one of you, I'll, I'll open it up and you don't have to give away too many things behind the curtain. But can you guys talk about that prolonged res, uh, resiliency training or, or PRT and what it's meant to elicit? Because we don't do anything without an output, right? We have an input and an output. What output are we looking for PRT? And Emily, I don't know why you're smiling about this one. Do you want to talk about it or is that <laughs> the don't, that don't talk to me? She started smiling and I don't know if that's the don't ask me this question, yeah. Aaron, smile or if this is the oh, I can't wait smile. So you know what? <laughs> I just, Blink twice I think there, if you don't want to talk. There's some value to it, just being a fun little surprise for the for the students. Good. Okay. Fair enough. That's I enough. Think we, I think I think that's fine right there. Just understand that there's a, there's a fun little thing that we're going to do that we're going to help you with that resilience and and round out your candidate cone self with a little bit extra resilience. You're going to be uh, so resilient afterwards. Stuff. So, so resilient. resilient. Resiliency is so hot right now. So here's what I kind of want to do is, as we get to the end of this thing, first of all, thanks for coming on guys, the special warfare candidate course has gone through name changes and curriculum changes and, you know, even location changes in, in, in the last five years. And you guys are, are absolutely crushing it. Some things that I want to highlight is if you haven't heard what they've said the entire time, they give full spectrum support from before you're in the pipeline all the way through, you know, Zach was talking about how we're still supporting people all the way through you know, their dive school or getting ready to go do any of these other courses. Like there is a whole team of professionals that's behind you. So, you know, please trust that process. One thing I did want to talk about is I know this would never happen because every single one of these hardened warriors is going to go out on their shield or with it. I got it. They're going to, you know, till Valhalla brother, who's going to carry the goats. Stop it. <laughs> um, but Emily, I wanted to talk about white team just a little bit. So if somebody does injure themselves and then gets back onto that team, what does that process look like? How long can somebody expect to be in there? Stuff like that. Yeah, it, it really just varies on the, the, the degree of the injury. So shin splints or, you know, a little like a, you know, if your hamstrings bothering you or shoulders bothering you, we can usually rehab that while you're at SWIC. Um, nice. Yeah. So, um, so we take care of that. Um, if it's a, if it's, you know, let's say like a grade two or above bone stress injury, bilateral legs, you're likely going to go to white team. And there's a great team over there of sports med doctors, athletic trainers, physical therapists, and, um, four J's like myself that, that are there for your rehab as well as strength and conditioning coaches who tailor your workouts based on your injury. So that can vary from one SWIC course. So about seven weeks long to sometimes it's months. Um, just again, depends on the level of injury and um, how severe it is and how, how well you recover from that. Um, I've, seen, mm -hmm. I've seen students come back, you know, for the very next SWIT class start, no problems. Um, so it, it kind of just depends, but, um, I, I promise you it's a, it's a great team, um, that, that our primary objective is to keep you in the pipeline and get you better. Thanks. That's awesome. And you, you kind of use these words earlier. So I, I want to, I'll open it up to everybody, but Emily, I'd like you to start. Can you talk me through the difference between a candidate is hurt and when a candidate is injured? And what they need to do. We kind of, we, we alluded to it earlier. You know, you watch that, that candidate run around and he's limping. He looks like a 90 year old man bent over at the waist and he refuses to go get seen for whatever reason. Cause he's like, Oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just hurt. I'm not necessarily injured. Can you give me your opinion on that one? Yeah. So we do the athletic trainers that are there at every single modality and the strength coaches or swim coaches or run coaches there, they do a pretty good job at identifying those and, at that point, when you're identified, you don't really have a choice. You don't, you, you're going to get evaluated and you're, you're going to, we're going to either put you on a profile, pull you for the day. You know, we can put 
um, students on quarters for the day, like they, maybe they just need some, some rest. Maybe they just need to sleep it off and eat some food. Um, and then they're good to go the next day. But we, we had, there's a lot of eyes at SWIC. So, and at BNT, yeah. so we're, we're pretty good at, at catching those and, um, and rehabbing it quickly. Um, so if the, and then injured, so that's already been established. They've, you know, been diagnosed with a specific injury. And at that point, they either stay in the course or they get pulled to, to white team. Awesome. Nick, Zach, anything on that one? They're over here being like, get back to work. Stop, stop being <laughs> dramatic. No, one like, cares. I don't care if you feel hurt. Do like, Oh, I need a day to rest. They're like, do you nah, know what malingering no. is young man? I think that's why having the human performance form human performance flight alongside the cadre <laughs> helps. Yeah. Um, so, so we're able to have those conversations right then and there. Yeah, I, I can add to that as well. Uh, we always do a, a brief, just kind of a HPS brief uh, with the candidates at SWIC, and it just kind of goes over just basic fundamentals. And then we kind of start diving into that question of, you know, pain, discomfort, injury type thing. And uh, we kind of ask, we kind of brief them, say, hey, you're going to experience all three of these probably at some point. And probably by the end of this course, you should have a good understanding of what those definitions are for yourself when it comes to those. And then we, uh, at the very end of SWIC, we'll give that same brief and we'll ask that same question and we'll say, Hey, raise of hands. How many do you, you know, understand what pain is? How many do you understand what discomfort is, uh, and versus injury? And I think by show of hands, it seems like all the candidates then realize because they've now gone through some, some good training or some, I'd say above average training at that point, And they can, can now identify what those are. Yeah. And I think that it's really important for the candidates to realize that like everybody there, including the cadre who, who seem like they don't care, I, like your best interest is at, at their hearts. Right. And so it really is, it's, it's got to be a conversation and a dialogue. If you're feeling some discomfort, you can bring that up to the coach, you know, who's, who's coaching that. And if they really think that, like, you can press, like, they're going to give you that in an earnest way, you know, in, in a sense that's not going to hurt you anymore. And if it's a real injury, then they're going to get the ATs and PTs out there to take a look at it. And the sooner that you identify those things, you're, you probably have a better chance of getting back into the fight then putting it off and trying to be that hero, those, that stoic person, and like now a real, no kidding, injury developed, and you're on white team. Right. Well, well. Speaking of, of of the best possible chance and all this other thing, we do get a lot of questions, and and this being the strength and conditioning community, I, I think supplements are there, and, and most of our ridiculous questions come out of the state of Ohio. Which, by the way, if if you're there and you're looking at the the pre-session thing, spending more time outside in Ohio is probably not a good thing, but. <laughs> Um, well, I'm, I'm assuming it just makes you your resilience. Like yeah, if you just or, live in Ohio, you got to trust me, your resilience through the roof. I don't know. It, it seems like a terrible place, but, uh, supplements, um, should I, should, should people be taking supplements like before they join and, and what should they be taking to, to get that base layer of strength or, and then what are they allowed to uh, take or not take while they're, they're there at the uh, candidate course? And, uh, I'm not really sure who to start with this. We'll start with Zach. Zach, when, uh, Pre-accessions, what kind of supplements should the students be taking unless they're from Ohio? <laughs> Can you repeat that question? Sorry, I cut out real quick. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, uh, we're talking about supplements. Uh, should Would we recommend candidates to take uh, supplements before they join? And then, because it's going to be restricted, I'm assuming, once they get, you know, BMT and it's SWIC. So do those things actually help you out in the beginning? And, uh, you know, you have any recommendations? Um. I probably like to avoid that question because we have a, we have a nutritionist on staff, so I don't want to, I don't want to speak for, for them. That makes sense. That's the, that's the best possible question or answer that you could have given to that, Zach. It's yep. listen to the nutritionist. And if the nutritionist isn't saying that you should be taking something, then you probably don't need that. Most of these things can probably be fixed with a proper diet. I assume that's probably the right answer. I would say, you know, most of our candidates who are at 18 to 20 years old, probably, you know, they got enough supplements flowing through their body already that they just eating <laughs> plenty of food, right? They, 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 they're yeah. already at an advantage with age. Uh, 
just eat plenty of food, stay hydrated, plenty of sleep. That's I'll just keep it vague at that. Well, I, I do. I do have one follow up because I have run into this back, back when I was at the the candidate course. Um, students that show up, they get the brief from the nutritionist. They understand that that carbs and fats and all these other things are good, and they need to be putting in max calories for for max output. How do you deal with the students that like refuse to eat breakfast, or like they they still want to eat like chicken breast and broccoli because some celebrity told them that's how they got a six pack? You know what I mean? That's kind of open. <laughs> that was a, that I, was a I, statement. I think, Usually, questions yeah. have a question mark at the end of it, but Trent likes yeah. end sentences and exclamation points or periods. I get fired up, and then I just keep going. <laughs> I don't think we really deal with it. I think that the course mm-hmm. goes with it, right? Like, and that, that's a harsh reality, and that, that's nice. kind of a hard answer. But I think that it's really true. Like, we see the guys that all of a sudden their HRV is tanking. Uh, their sleep is going down and, you know, they fill out like a Palms Q questionnaire every single morning and they're like, I'm constantly tired, I'm constantly, and then we start asking and we dig in and we find out that like, I'm following X, Y, and Z, right? I'm keto and I'm not eating any carbs. And it's like, oh, well, there you go, right? So it's like one of those those lessons that kind of slap the candidate in the, in their face themselves and you know, every candidate that I've worked with that I've then been like, hey, like that sounds ridiculous, start eating, they come back to me a week later and they're like, oh, wow, I feel amazing now. I'm like, I didn't, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's like, yeah, no kidding, right? So uh, I think it's one of those yeah, right. hard lessons that they deal with themselves. Yeah. yeah. Day two, I'll jump in. Sorry, Zach. Um, I'll say week one, um, I, I work with the with the diet staff and we're running in bodies, we're running bod pods and Dexas week one. So we're, so you're exposed at that point. And typically um, from what the research has shown is anybody male or female who's under 150 pounds coming into the, into the pipeline. So this is after BMT. um, I automatically send them to the dietitian and I'm like, Hey, you need to eat some more. Um, So that's just because that 150 pound marker is kind of where we see decrease in performance uh, and those types of things. Easy, easy. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Always, but it's just, it's just something to consider. Right. And so those are, that's kind of a red flag for me. Like if you, if you're 150 pounds or less, uh, especially if you're, if you're taller, um, you need to, you need to eat some more. So like I said, hot take. Yep. <laughs> people, I, I love this too because people always get it messed up. They're always just like, you know, they don't think they, they have no idea what like our sizes are comparatively. I'm too something to do something. And these two other nerds over here, you got statistical data that says you guys ain't going to make it. I don't know what's wrong with y'all, but <laughs> well, it's, it's not, it's not always, it's not like, oh, you're less than 150 pounds. You're not going to make it. It's just there could be a deficit in nutrition that could then lead to a deficit in performance, you know? So, so our goal is to keep you healthy. So. Yeah. I'd like to chime in on that as well. And it, and the question I always ask the candidates is what's your goal. And for most of them, their goal should be to make it through BMT, make it through SWIC, make it through pre-dive. Does your actions fall in line with those goals? Uh, and that's really what it, what it comes down to. And it's, it's not just nutrition and it's, it's strength training. It's everything. Uh, you know, if you're working towards big arms and, and being super muscle bound, that's not going to help you make it through dive when you got to reach your dive thing, you know? Uh, so it, it's more than just, it's more than just nutrition. It's again, I asked the candidates, what, what's your goal? And obviously your goal should be to, uh, your first goal should be make it to the next day of that course. And then your big long-term goal, make it through that course. And then again, do your, do your uh, day-to-day operations fall in line with that goal. Absolutely. That's great input for, for me. My day-to-day goal is I just want these anaconda arms and a dump truck booty. <laughs> yeah. And I want to be throwing God. weight around. That's it. I want to that's it. arms and the controller and the PJ arm. start flexing automatically. No more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow hurtful guy it's not that hard i don't need listen tippity typity tippity typity uh in, in your face um you know and i will say like to kind of wrap all this up you know kind of kind of this this part of the discussion up you know supplements number one guys and gals out there sleep if they could put the things that you get from sleep into a pill they would make that pill illegal for you to take 
Like that was a great, I think Jason Kalipa or maybe Rich Froning said that recently. He's like, I, I think it was Jason or uh, Rich. No, I think it was Jason Kalipa, but he said straight up, if, if you could get the benefits from a pill of what you get from an actual good sleep routine, they would make it illegal for athletes to take. Like it's the most important thing that you can do. Everything else falls in line. And then nutrition um, is kind of secondary after that. We heard a lot about trust in the process today. We want to thank you guys for coming on and kind of pulling this curtain back for what we're doing at the special warfare candidate course. Somebody asked us on the DMS, you know, how do you guys feel about the course changing? We feel great about it because we're having a, a data-based conversation about how it is that we can get the highest success rate to get you to ANS completely ready to go injury free and actually ready to crush not only the pipeline, but your actual career as an operator. So that fast forward in 20 years, you have this basic floor of movement patterns and durability and proper nutritional habits and proper sleep hygiene. And you're going to be able to take on a lifetime of stress, not just one solid course. So first of all, thank you all for coming on. We're going to end it in our normal fashion. So we always ask our guests, hey, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to the candidates coming in, this can be fitness-based, this can be your own personal philosophy. If you could grab them by the face and go, hey, focus on this one thing, what would that one thing be? Zach, I'll start with you. I would say take one day at a time. Don't look at the uh, the big puzzle of this long pipeline. Take one day at a time. Every day is a new day. I'll leave it at that. Well said. Emily, what's up? I would say um, the rest <laughs> the rest of the Air Force is is not as as good as it as it is here. Um, so I think a lot of the, the the students that come in don't they don't know what they don't know about the rest of the Air Force. I know Nick is nodding because he's he's been in the regular Air Force. I'm in the regular Air Force. And um, I think just keeping sight of, of why you're here and what you're doing and also being honest with yourself. Like if you have that thought like, hey, it's maybe this isn't for me, then honor that honor wherever you are. Awesome. Nick. That's hard to follow up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's true, but I'll add to it. Like stay humble. Um, you can always learn. There's always going to be somebody that's better than you and that's okay. Uh, lean on those people when they're bet when they're better than you and let them lean on you when you're better than them, right? It is a team environment. You're not going to get through it by yourself. Like Zach already said, um, stay humble and just constantly be open to keep learning. Absolutely. Comparison is the thief of joy, I believe is, is the, uh, the most common statement there. Thanks again, staff from the special warfare candidate course for coming on. If you guys want to hit them up on their socials, just check us out. We follow each other. No big deal. I won't put them on the spot to put their Instagram handles out, but for everybody else out there, check out the website over at onesready.com. If you are thinking about training for all of these things, we partner with people specifically to help you get there from gear to training advice, to supplementation, legal, just hydration, um, that'll actually get you there. So again, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Emily, Nick, Zach, you guys crushed it for us. Special Warfare Candidate course. If you had questions, you probably shouldn't now. For everybody else, train hard. Have a great one. Later. Appreciate it. Thank you, Thank guys. You guys.